You are listening to Fed by Ravens with Matt and Adam. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, Adam. Welcome to day 287 and 288 of Fed by Ravens. As we are continuing the oral tradition, engaging the story, we're not claiming to be perfect in this. There's always more to add. But I will say we are doing one thing, I think, effectively. And that's connecting to the major story arcs. Oh, yeah. I think so. Yeah, I think we're doing uh-huh. that well. And I think there's some other things we're doing well, but that's the main one. I do and like that, that one. That's the one I want to keep and focus on. So if you're listening, you are starting to uh, understand the major <clears throat> story arcs of how God uh, interacts with his people and what he's doing. So congratulations on that. Let's keep going. Our Old Testament reading for today is Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 24 through chapter 32, verse 25. Well done. Well, Jeremiah is, as we already kind of picked up, Jeremiah is trying to get to the head of all media outlets back then. So he goes to the king, he goes to the prophets, and he goes to the priests, and they are supposed to relay this message to all subsequent prophets, kings, priests, and instead they shut it down right there. So that's why God calls Jeremiah into kind of doing it himself, one man having to announce these truths because it's being shut down everywhere else. And then they they try to shut him down. Well, we just read about the beautiful letter he wrote to the exiles in Babylon. Yeah, because they're getting... uh, Fake news reports. Well, that's that's what today is all about. Yeah. They're getting uh, false reports from other prophets saying, like, within two years. And so Jeremiah's like, okay, it's not going to be two years. It's more like 70. He already handled this with, what's his name, Hananiah? And now he has to go up against... um, Shemiah? Shemiah. (laughs) Shemiah Twain. Um, Shemiah of Nehalem. Right. And he's writing letters to the people... To the priest. The priest to basically like a, um, a news update. Like, hey, God's going to bring us all back. Everything's fine. But he's also saying, um, why are we not punishing Jeremiah, who's saying that exile is going to be long? Right. Yeah. That's like, we all know his letter. We all heard about this letter. He made copies. Uh, <laughs> what are we doing about that? We're just going to let that stand? We're going to let that one ride? What's Hebrews? What's Hebrew for uh, kinkos? Yeah, I don't know. He went to the chafe machine. and wow. Yeah. I know more Hebrew. whole people group. No, I know our people group, and they, they've never even sniffed proper Hebrew. So okay. I can say whatever I want. Um, Good. Yeah, mm. so he basically has to reinforce and... Um, so, yeah, so he's asking, what are we doing about Jeremiah? And Jeremiah uh, gets a uh, thing from the Lord and says, oh, um, hey, Shemiah, you're saying lies. The Lord did not send you, and um, your entire bloodline is going to be wiped out. That's right. You won't make it through the exile. Yeah. No one will be left to so, enjoy the return to the land. So this is the major arc and the theme, is we can't just make up positive thinking and say it's from the Lord. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the temptation for the false prophets, is they want to tell everybody it's okay, we still have the Lord. And the reality is, 
there is a good message that mm-hmm. we're going to get into right now in chapter 30 through 33. This right. becomes a book of comfort, but that's the gospel. You got to deal with the law first. You got to deal mm-hmm. with the death of Christ before you get to the resurrection. And so the false prophets want to go straight to the good stuff and not deal with the realities of death mm-hmm. and, and sin and um, betrayal against God. So that's like the major theme here. And Jeremiah is called to be that guy. But in the next two, three chapters, it is really nice. It's mm-hmm. like kind of happened in Isaiah too, where the prophet gets comfort. He sees, okay, here's what's going to happen after these 70 years. And you know, you get like a perspective. Right. Um, when you're going through suffering, it's nice to get a perspective and go, okay, after these, uh, a year is a really long time, but. It's small in the bigger scope of things. Mm-hmm. And so in the bigger scope of things, God says, here's what I'm going to do for you. Write this down. Right. And he starts to show him, from the perspective of exile, God's redemption. Mm-hmm. God's uh, restoring and bringing, and bringing the exiles back to a land, stopping all their suffering. And it's the uh, central idea is God sees and hears his children. He yeah. knows when they suffer. Just like in the Exodus, it's like, your cries came to my ears so I want to do something about it. Yeah. I know you're suffering, but fear not. I have to discipline you because you're mm-hmm. my children. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not lifting my fatherhood over you. And so I must do something because I love you, but I'm doing it all to create and prepare a future restoration, a future a king, a, Dave, a king in the mm-hmm. line of David, a community of peace for God's greater purposes to save the whole world. You are my kids and this is all your inheritance and it's been stolen and corrupted and manipulated. So that's what this is all about. Yeah. I, I do like the um, exchange kind of through yeah. like 12, um, 12 and 14 and then he kind of reflips it around uh, um, 16 and 17 where he basically is like, no one cares about you. Like no one... All the people that you've turned to and think are your allies, they don't actually care about you. They have nothing good for you. They don't want to help you, and they can't. He says, but I actually care about you. I want to help you, and I will heal you. I will bring you peace It's funny. I, did, I wrote that down, too, like the great exchange. As you read this beautiful bit of poetry, it is mourning for joy, sadness right. for gladness. You know, it's like uh, whatever... You're experiencing is exchanged for the opposite, mm-hmm. and and then he gets into I think a pivotal, pivotal section, in chapter thirty one, mm-hmm. and verse thirty one. It's where the new covenant is brought up, and this new covenant, you'll see this again in Hebrews. You'll see it referred to, and it'll make sense to the reader coming from it through the lens of Christ mm-hmm. and the Holy Spirit. But um, it's at this point, it's like a dream. And God's saying, here's my dream. The days are coming where I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Not like the covenant I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand. Anyway, he goes on, and the covenant is the cutting of Mm -hmm. the deal, right? If you don't keep the deal, you die. Mm -hmm. And there's bloodshed. But that's why you offer up sacrifices to, to keep the covenant in place. Something has to die. But now there's a new covenant, and that's the beautiful part. He says, but this is the covenant I'll make with the house of Israel after those days. I will put my law within them. I will write it on their hearts. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother saying, Know the Lord, 
for they shall all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. Yeah, that was great. I mean, and so the idea that he's writing his law on our hearts, he's Mm -hmm. forgiving sins, he's promising to be with us, he's rebuilding everything, a new relationship built on grace and faith. And we see this all fulfilled in Jesus, of course, and the outpouring of his Holy Spirit. Mm, Yeah. This is why the Holy Spirit's so important. Yeah. Is that he's writing the word of God, the Decalogue, the he's, Ten Commandments. He's moving it from stone to our hearts. Our hearts, which has been the problem. We just did it outwardly. Mm-hmm. Now, thanks to faith in Jesus Christ's death, so that's the covenant part of it. Mm-hmm. The new covenant is he's going to write this on our hearts. Um, and we are just, he's going to turn us into these people. And Yes, and that's the thing. Like You think about the Lord's Supper. There's words that set it apart, and... And when uh, Jesus says, this is my blood, it's a new covenant for the forgiveness of sins. Mm -hmm. It's like we're drinking, drink this, and your heart is nourished and nurtured and the words of God. So it's it's like you now can trust your conscience has now been overrided by the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And this is a dream for the exiles because how else will they ever repent and do what's right? Yeah. And so God knows this. And again, God meets his people. He's got to cleanse them of all these... Mm -hmm all this destruction. But, so that's the comforting, beautiful part, right? And then 32, Jeremiah gets an objective lesson, but this objective lesson is more for him, isn't it? It's like more about confidence, because, okay, so Zedekiah says like, a little bit, yeah. It says, why are you doing all these bad, like, why are you doing all these bad um, prophecies? Well, because, okay, so in 32, they're in the point where uh, Nebuchadnezzar is back, right? And he is at the gates, sieging Jerusalem, <laughs> and Jeremiah inside the siege city is going, "We are going to fall, give up, and yeah, don't fight, and give yourselves over, and into his hands." And so, th- as a king who's actively trying to fight a war, you do not want a prophet going around saying, Just "We're so all going to lose." God said, "We're all going to lose." Right. And so Zedekiah is like locked Jeremiah up and going, please, why are you doing this? Because wouldn't you even do that? Like if you're, you're my pastoral spiritual guy and I'm trying to fight a war and you're like, we're going to lose, just surrender. Like, Whoa, buddy, mm-hmm. don't be so negative. Mm-hmm. It's okay. And like, come on, man. Yeah, no, yeah, no, no. Yeah. And he's like, no. And so then Jer- that's the context. And then Jeremiah does say, here's why I think this is true. Yeah. He's like, um, the Lord's told me all these things. The Lord gave me a, he told me, like, just so you know, all these things are going to be true. Your cousin is going to come to you, ask for you to buy buy his land off of him. You are going to buy it, and then you're going to put the deeds in a jar, because the those deeds will survive and be around by the time people come back. Mm-hmm. When people come back to this land, those deeds will still be around, and you will, and your family will have that land again. So Jeremiah trusts the Lord because, first of all, it came to pass. His mm-hmm. uncle came and asked him to buy land. It's incredibly dumb to buy land while uh, you're in, already in process of exile and being taken over. Yes. Like you're just like wasting your money. Right. But Jeremiah is encouraged because he knows the Lord's in it, and he's encouraged because, again, like we're in this section of hope. Mm-hmm. So for Jeremiah, even in the pits of it, he's like, we are going to come back. Yes, we're coming back, and which is so I'm making plans for my family. Which is what Jesus uses this language when he's like, um, 
you know, what treasure, where your treasure is, that your heart is, and mm-hmm. like that we are but making deposits now and giving, and it might feel like suffering and we're losing out, but really we're depositing in our future because we get this world created new one day. Yes. God's wisdom, justice, goodness, and Jeremiah trusts all of it. Pretty cool. Let's move to the Old New Testament. It's a bad habit I'm saying Old New Testament. Our New Testament reading for today is 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and chapter 3. The New Testament is very old, actually. You're not wrong. It's 2,000 years old. I mean, most of it's written before 50 AD. So, I mean, that's, uh, that's pretty old. Thessalonians, not much different than Jeremiah's situation, but totally different. There's persecution. It's, that's the, the... Well, and false news, or fake news. Fake news. Fake news. So, right away in chapter 2 and 3, Paul has to say, look, Jesus is coming back, mm-hmm. okay? Um, you, you will be gathered together to him. So, all this suffering will make sense. Mm-hmm. But don't be shaken. Don't be alarmed. In other words, the way we would say it, don't become obsessed with the end times. Right. Because of fake news, because of fake letters even. He's even like insinuating that there's been some confusion doctrinally about this since his first letter. Like, right. And that people are forging letters to make it look like they're coming from Paul and from apost- the other apostles. Right, because that would be advantageous to take care of um, or to take advantage of people mm-hmm. in this new movement that has popularity and power and all that. And so he's like, look, uh, I want to try to set you straight on what's going on with the day mm-hmm. of the Lord, which is funny because when you read this section, you, you actually, so the original audience, it probably made sense. Because he right. was referring to conversations and things yes. that he had broken down. He's just reminding them. To us, this actually does the opposite. It actually inflames our yes. curiosity. We're like, and, what? And trying to figure it out. And I think it actually leads us to do the opposite of what he says throughout this, which is be settled in the faith, be settled in Christ. Mm-hmm. Just know he comes back. Know that there'll be justice and righteousness and uh, truth and all that good stuff. But it does inflame our, what, what, what? Because uh, he goes on to say, look, the day for that, that day will not come. And let, well, he talks about the day. He says, the day of the Lord has started, but it hasn't come yet. Because one of the false ideas is it already came. Yes. We it, missed it. We missed it, which is a great fear, right? I don't mm-hmm. want to miss it. Mm-hmm. You missed it. And I grew up when there was theories about, you know, left behind. You don't want to be left behind. Yes. And Paul's saying, no, that's exactly not what I'm saying. You're, right. Don't worry. You're not going to be left behind. You will not miss it. You can't miss it. No, you you're won't. You're in the Lord, yeah. and you will not miss it. So it started with Christ's resurrection, but there's a day coming. It's mm-hmm. still to come. Don't worry. And here's how you'll know. Some things have to happen, first of all. Right. And this is where it is interesting, isn't it? Yes. We get the thing <laughs> about the law, man of lawlessness, which... It's fascinating, and I think, again, one of the things we have to understand is he's referring to previous conversations, mm-hmm. and he's not, he's like almost using shorthand. Right. It's like you coming into the middle of a conversation, and you miss the setup, and so you're just hearing like little bits so, of things that other people understand in context. Right. 
And so the main idea, though... Yeah, so here's what we do know. Mm-hmm. And it's a kind of the same thing they knew, too. Right. Because I don't think Paul's referring to um, specifics. He says this has to happen first. Right. But he is probably referring to his culture, uh, like the Roman Empire mm-hmm. and Nero and things like this. You know, you can refer to people as examples of types. Right. Of they are definitely um, anti-Christ. They are definitely mm-hmm. against the laws of God. They're definitely trying to manipulate and fake the signs, wonders, and power of a God. You're right. And so he says, first, there's a man of lawlessness. And he'll be revealed, the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship. Then he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. Mm -hmm. Now, for them, remember, every emperor was part God. Every pharaoh was part God. Yeah. And so, um, at the end of it, without I'm tempted just to start breaking it down, but we don't have time for that. No. Here's how I got it. Here's what I, I got from all this, Matt. Judas is a type of lawlessness the only thing paul is saying here that i really think is clear Mm -hmm. is that this is a fusing this this son of lawlessness this type of judas is like judas because he's within the church Mm -hmm. so there's an an anti-christ movement within the church falsifying things to confuse and outside of the church it Mm -hmm. tries to do both god is is restraining this thing so there's Mm -hmm. paul saying look god is restraining because he's all-powerful so that's why all hell hasn't broken loose in our countries, in our world, and in our churches. It feels like it, and it gets pretty close. But, and so he says, there will be a day when that will be revealed, and God, and actually Jesus is um, going to kill this person mm-hmm. with the breath of his mouth and bring to nothing, um, and bring him to nothing by the appearance of his coming. So, like, again, the idea is there is movement of lawlessness, of unrighteousness, of horrible stuff. And it gets confused in the church at times. Mm-hmm. So, but no, Christ will come and he is serious about taking care of business and he has all right. power and his glory. So you take comfort in Christ. And then in the meantime, hold and cling to the true word of God by faith. So yes. that's why we don't need to figure out. Every generation tries to figure it out. And I think because every generation there are strands of Judas DNA. Yeah, there's always, um, Satan is always at work within the church and without the church. And it's, not hard to see, yeah. but I, the idea I'm getting to now, like as we're mm-hmm. kind of going over this, is that there will just come a day where God, like, finally, it's almost like when um, God with the Canaanites said, like, I just have to wait 400 years because their sin isn't right. en- enough to merit their total destruction. Right. And so it's almost like God's being like, I'm just going to wait until their sin merits destruction. Right, because he's gracious, mm-hmm. and he's actually like, you know, because you never know, they might turn. Right, and so there, he's like, there will be a day when it's time for the, to be revealed, and I think it's almost not even like when evil will really break out and get out of hand. It's almost a, okay, it's evil's like wor- lurking in the shadows, and yeah. the light shows up. Jesus shows up, and he's like, it's you, you're done. Right. Satan, you're done. You've been working the- through the church. I, I'm pointing you out, I'm revealing you, I'm calling you out, and I'm killing you. You're out. Well, and and it is interesting. He says, God sends them a strong delusion so that they may believe what is false. Mm-hmm. And the idea there is God is only 
ever about saving people. So he, I don't believe for one second God, like from the beginning, condemns someone to death and they have no, no chance. But it's by their choice and rejection of God so many times. Like you're mm-hmm. saying, like for so long the Canaanites didn't turn that it's like, all right, I give you over to what you want to believe. Right. It's same and with, that uh, brings destruction on with you. Pharaoh. Right. But um, so because God has no pleasure in unrighteousness and he wants to he wants to save everybody. But then that's why Paul at the end of this. So essentially, Paul's like, you're not missing out. Right. Jesus is coming back. You can see the movements of lawlessness and antichrist. Mm-hmm. And you pray and cling to the truth. Don't be deceived by fake news. Right. Um, and fake wonders and fake acts mm-hmm. of power. But. We ought to always, and here's where he says, now, again, it, this is like not as exciting, right? You think no. we're talking about the end times, but really, when you talk about the, the end times, the apocalypse, it always goes back to what the Bible always says, which is like, stand firm on what you know. Yeah. Be confident in the things you know. Be 100% confident to give thanks to God, to love, the, love each other. And because um, he says, because God chose you as first fruits to be saved through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth, to this he called you through our gospel so that you may obtain the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, stand firm. Hold to the traditions we taught you by word and by letter. And then he blesses them, right? Mm-hmm. This is the end of chapter 2. And then in chapter 3, I realize he's dealing with the, the natural consequences of when someone gets caught up. In fake news. In fake news and the end times. Mm-hmm. So, when you get caught that's up... that's what we mean by fake news. What are they? The end yeah. times. Because... Of all the biblical ideas, the mm-hmm. end times is the most confusing, and people speak dogmatically about it. And yeah. so he he addresses a very interesting, I th- I think, symptom of when you get caught up in all of this. Yes. So right now, the you th- did, yeah, you nailed it. The Thessalonians are in major persecution. Mm-hmm. They're super united. They're taking care of each other. They're working together, and they're having people say, "Hey." Either the end's going to happen soon, or it has already happened. And you missed it. And you missed it. And so what happens when you either think the end's about to happen, and you're kind of in this community, and everyone's kind of working together, and people are providing for you, you start, you stop working. Right. Because you you figure it's over. I'm not going to do the thing I have to do anymore. Yeah. It's over. Or it's about to end soon. You get apathetic and lazy. Yes, and so he has to have this whole thing about idleness. Yeah. And he gets into it, and he's like, look, don't stop doing the things that God's put in front of you. Yeah, I mean, he really pounds laziness here because people are, like, you don't work, you don't eat. He's like, you keep doing the good things, keep, imitate us in the way we work and imitate us in the way we love and serve one another. Do not grow weary in doing good. But I just love that connection, man. That's so good. The laziness mm-hmm. is directly proportionate to confusion about the end times. Mm-hmm. And then also being in a community where people are taking care of each other, it gets easy to start to take advantage of that. Right. So like I've been persecuted and I've lost things. Now I'm relying on you. Mm-hmm. But now it's like, well, the end's coming. I'm not motivated to get out of your place. I'm right. just going to stay in your place forever and hope that you provide for me. Yeah. Because we're probably all going to die anyway. Yeah. And Paul is saying, no. Stop that. <laughs> That's not life-giving because... The most life-giving thing and the Christian thing to do is even if you thought tomorrow's the end of the world, what would you do today? Well, hopefully you would do the things you're already doing today because they're life-giving and good. Like you would be loving the Lord. You'd be working at your vocation because that's how you serve God and serve one another. Mm -hmm. And so Paul has to remind them, 
Uh, don't believe the false news. And then, like, you know, you could be busy. Don't be... Uh, busy give bodies. Up. Yeah, he's like, don't give up working. And now you're not busy with work. You're busy bodies. Yeah. yeah. Talking. But that's what yeah. happens when you start speculating about things. Mm-hmm. Is it him? Is it her? Is it mm-hmm. the end is here? And that's this. And the government's doing... Mm-hmm. It's like, it's an endless loop of uh, actually laziness. I do like, he actually says, and I, this is something that we've always, like, I've kind of always come up against but the idea of like people who are just being idle and taking advantage yeah. of you don't be with them right oh like, yeah he's, don't don't enable is, them okay this is another good thing isn't it like you're right he says have nothing to do with them yeah so the idea uh for the purpose of they may be ashamed he goes do not regard him as an enemy but warn him as a brother, brother. Right. so like even in our little church we're family mm-hmm. and so when someone is going like let's say they're being lazy or idle, they're not doing it. I don't want to encourage that behavior because it's hurting them. Mm-hmm. And I'm a brother, but as brothers, I can go for a while without talking to you. Right. Good dude, I'm mad at you right now. Mm-hmm. But um, you're not an enemy. It's just you got to straighten this thing out. Right. And I can't continue to enable your idleness. And so people have even used that to shame people, not out of brotherly or sisterly mm-hmm. love, but out of power, and that mm-hmm. gets gross. But I've seen it work where we warn a brother and it's like, dude, I'm your brother, man. And I've been warned. Mm -hmm. And it does turn you if you can um, be an actual part of the community. And we know at this church, they are community. They are close. What a cool tie-in, though. I think that makes total sense. End times, get anchored in the Lord Mm -hmm. and keep working. Don't try to guess what God hasn't revealed to us. Right. In his time, he'll reveal it. And in the meantime... You cling to the true word of God, the true son of God, in true faith. Keep living. Keep living. Our psalm for today is Psalm 119, verses 33 through 40. Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I will keep it to the end. Give me understanding that I might keep your law and observe it with my whole heart. Lead me in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. I incline my heart to your testimonies, and not to selfish gain. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things, and give me life in your ways. Confirm to your servant your promise that you may be feared. Turn away the reproach that I dread, for your rules are good. Behold, I long for your precepts. In your righteousness, give me life. fed by ravens. Go in peace and serve the Lord. We will talk to you next time.